Hello, hello, friend. Welcome back to Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel. I am your host, Neil Helligers. I am the original and the Echo, all in one. And you recall how last time I said that this episode of Echo Park um, has something a little different for you. Well, I am not going to keep you in suspense for any longer than I have to. Word from our sponsor. Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh, producer here at Realm. A new episode of Ominous Thrill is ready for your ears. It's Advice After Dark. Late night radio host Belladonna delivers extreme advice to the delighted horror of her audience until a creepy listener forces her to confront the brutal consequences of her show. Here's a preview. Welcome to my live stream, Bella. Say hello to everyone. What do you want? Click the link. Watch along. I'm not clicking links from psychos. You put that trash on the radio every night and I'm the psycho. You sound like you need help. I'm not one of your fake callers. My show is very, very real. Do you want to know what it's called? No, I don't. It's called Belladonna Gets What's Coming. Starring you. What? It's really starring me, but it's all about you. And you'd be surprised how many people want to watch you get what's coming. I called the police. They'll be here any minute. Yeah, well, we should be done before they get here. Find Ominous Thrill out now, everywhere you listen. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Okay, okay, so here's the thing. So up until now, of course, Echo Park has been Harry Shum Jr.'s show, right? But you remember the character of Sophia, right? The doctor from episode six, who at the end of episode seven, James realized he'd been a bit too open with about Charles. Sophia, whose Echo was one of the first clone victims, and uh, Sophia was also involved with the circle, right? So I'm very happy to let you know that this episode of Echo Park is starring Nikki Toison, who is a true Renaissance woman. She is a screen stage and voice actor. She's a dancer. She's a Pilates instructor. She's even a certified massage therapist. And she is about to bring you a lot more information about our favorite sketchy doctor, Sophia. I won't spoil any more fun. I'm your host, Neil Hellegers, and this is Echo Park, Episode 8. Enjoy. Sophia. Brentwood Park, August 20th. My reflection in the vanity mirror smiles back at me. I dab on more concealer and smile again. No good. Looks hella fake. Too fucking bright, I mutter. Dropping the curve of my lips a bit, I show less teeth. There. I open my walk-in closet. It's filled with light, neutral tones. Fancy brand name shit that makes me look like a dork. But it works on a day like today. I have to convince a bunch of government folks to fund Makalos Therapeutics. Skyscrapers and hotels blur past my car. My nerves flare up the closer I get to downtown LA. I turn on my phone and start rehearsing the presentation again. I practice out loud to myself. Macalos's new gene editing technology will help today's children grow into adults who improve humanity's future. You'll see how Macalos's technology will improve our lives for generations to come. 
I pull the 50 millimeter bottle of Jack Daniels from my purse. I take a shot to smooth my nerves, then laugh. Who would have thought that out of everything I've been through, presenting in front of a crowd is what gives me the shivers? Navi, turn on the news. I need noise to drown out my thoughts. The clone's mutilated body was found in an illegally dug grave in Encino Hill Cemetery. I freeze. They found him? How? The discovery is part of an ongoing investigation into Echo Park's violent clone community, an LAPD spokesperson confirmed. Grand Park passes outside, but all I can see are Benny's glassy, unseeing eyes. How the fuck did they find him? How the fuck? Navi, take me home now. Now. I need to take care of some things. Fast, before they come looking for me. Sophia, flashback. Brentwood Park, July 9th. I haven't seen or heard from my father since the last summer volunteering at Arcogen. We're estranged. So it's a surprise, to say the least, when a representative from Macalos Therapeutics, a big new pharma and biotech company, contacts me on his recommendation. Maybe that's why I agree to their request. Maybe I'm just bored of my usual assignments as a freelance biotech writer. McCallos is building new gene editing technology for children and needs my help to get government funding. My assignment has two parts. First, to get testimonials from my Archigen retreat students when I volunteered over spring break. Second, and more puzzlingly, McCallos wants me to read through the private files of Iskender Aquarius, a clone I've never met, and compile a report. How they got access to these files, I don't even want to know. The clone database is grouped by batches, beta and alpha. Apparently the clones I tutored were all beta batch. Like Charles, the Archigen poster boy who reinvented himself as a social media influencer, and shy Benny, who's now an elementary school teacher. But when I reach the alpha database, my stomach tightens. Face after face stares back at me from the computer screen, all dead-eyed and glum. The data accompanying each entry only paints a worse picture. The alphas have had a much harder time integrating into society. I scan criminal records, arrest reports, a couple of obits. Then I reach the next alpha clone in the file, and tea shoots out of my nose. On screen... I glower back at myself. This version of me has matted brown hair and aggressive hazel eyes. Mia Capricorn. I scan the file. She lives in the housing projects at Elysian City Heights. I have a clone, I murmur, tasting the words. I think of my father's evasiveness about the Eastern Wing. How my mother, rest her soul, always glanced away when I ranted about not having any siblings. Mia glares at me from the screen, as filled with resentment as I feel right now. An alpha, even. Why didn't anyone tell me? I decide to find out for myself. A month ago, Elysian City Heights, July 10th. Elysian City Heights is a low-rise building in Echo Park. 
I nearly drop the box of macaroons when I hop over the piss puddle on the stairs to Mia's floor. and knock on apartment 5A and wait. I wrinkle my nose as the door opens, the chain lock still intact. The figure on the other side, with hazel eyes just like mine, smells sour with alcohol. Yeah? The woman asks, then freezes as she takes me in. Holy fucking shit, she says. I practice an introduction, but my tongue refuses to work now that I'm standing in front of my clone. Mia? I'm Sophia Newhouse. You're, um, I'm original. I see that. I have eyes. The chain lock disengages and the door opens. Mia stands braless in a tank top, her sweatpants hanging low off bony hips. She isn't smiling. What'd you want? I just wanted to meet you. I'm so happy. Please, can I come in? Mia narrows her eyes, but steps aside. It's a small studio apartment. There's a vinyl couch and a row of empty Jack Daniels bottles lined like trophies on the windowsill. Everything smells musty, like a wet towel that never completely dries. I sit on the couch and prop my purse on an armrest. Mia leans against the wall, looking down her nose at me. So, you met me. Now what? Um, do you want macaroons? Mia takes a rosewater macaroon I offered and eats it whole, then spits it out. Ugh, tastes like old lady perfume. It's jarring to see Mia, me, spit a thick dollop of saliva still dangling from her chin. I've never met anyone so crass. While Mia takes a swig from a bottle of Jack Daniels, presumably to get the taste out, I talk about my life, my freelance writing career, how thrilled I am to find Mia thanks to the McCullis assignment. Mia's eyes glaze over, but they sharpen when I mention how proud I am of the clones I tutored. Mia sets the bottle down and crouches in front of me. I know all about your tutoring, Dr. Newhouse's daughter. Coming to the retreat like you were on holiday, teaching the beta clones like they deserved a better life. You even took them horseback riding. Why them? Why not me? I had actually asked my father about inviting the Eastern Wing clones back when I took the Western Wing group to the equestrian center in Griffith Park. He refused. They're not as friendly as the clones you're tutoring. I didn't know you existed, I say, which makes me a scoff. I mean it. My father, the administrator, told me not to invite the Eastern Wing clones. He never even let me near the building. Mia looks away. Of course, no one likes us alphas, especially not poor, maladjusted Mia. On the TV, Rick tells Ilsa that they'll always have Paris. Casablanca is the kind of movie my mother liked. It makes me wonder again why no one told me about Mia. As if to answer my question, Mia says, Every time I saw you, I wondered, why you and not me? What makes you so special? We're the same goddamn person. I'm the original. You sure about that? I open my mouth, then shut it. Mia grabs the neck of the bottle, uses it to prop herself back up. You know why Arcogen made clones? It wasn't to advance humanity or some shit. It was so rich fucks could trial their kids. <laughs> Don't look so shocked. The kid they like, they keep. The other, 
they discard. Guess which one our parents discarded? I'm the original, I repeat, but it sounds weaker this time. Because now I realize why my mother may have looked away out of guilt every time I complained about not having even a clone to play with. Did she feel guilty for not telling me she'd left my clone in Arcogen? Or for not telling me I was the clone? Is this why my father kept me away from the Eastern Wing? Tears spring to my eyes. Can I use your bathroom? Be my guest. Mia bows in a mocking way and gestures to a door to the left. Inside, I wipe my eyes and stare at my reflection in the dirty mirror. I expected a joyous reunion. I thought Mia would be like a sister, someone who'd finished my sentences, a twin with similar interests. But Mia is too jaded. A grown woman, I can't tutor like I did with the young clones. And Mia is filling my head with questions. Questions that are poisoning my memories of my mother, my father, our whole lives together. It was a mistake to come here. I have to get going. I freeze when I see Mia digging through my purse. Hey, don't touch my stuff. Mia pulls out my ID card, pressing it against her face. She gives me a soft, demure smile, like the one on the card. But it's my stuff too. See, we're the same. I cross the living room in three quick strides and snatch the ID. Mia curses, but lets me have it. I feel sorry for her. For the life she must have had? To come out like this? Then I feel sorry for myself too, for how little we know about ourselves and each other. Mia follows me to the door, taking another swig of whiskey. Ugh. Are we going to your place now? Hey, you listening? I thought you wanted to get to know me. I step into my ankle boots. I thought so too, but it was a bad idea. Why is that? An edge enters Mia's voice. You're different. Maybe it's how I pronounce the word, but something shifts between us. Mia still wears a fake smile, but there's a new aggression in her eerily identical eyes. Mia steps forward, the bottle dangling from her hand. Different. Different how? I'm going. My purse is still on the couch, and I decide to leave it. I just need to leave. Get out of here. Now. I stride toward the door, hand extended. I'm half an inch away when pain explodes across the back of my head. An ugly sound echoes between my ears like a dull thunderclap. Next thing I know, I'm lying on the ground, staring at my own bare feet. No, not mine. Mia's. A faint moan escapes me. Mia's voice sounds far away, muffled by the throbbing in my skull. How am I different? Explain, you trust fund bitch. Groaning, I try to roll to my side. White sparks explode in my vision. Touch the side of my head. My fingers come away sticky and hot. Blood. I'm bleeding. Tears swim in my eyes, flood my vision. I think of my mother, my father, all the questions they never answered. Everything I want to ask them, demand of them. Above me, Mia raises the bottle over her head. I try to scream, 
All that emerges is a faint gurgle. The last thing I see is the glint of the bottle as Mia brings it down on my head. Hello, friend. This is Neil Helligers, host of Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about the Greenlight app. And this message is, of course, sponsored by Greenlight, but I was using, our family was using the Greenlight app uh, even before the first ad in a wonderful, thrilling, cosmic coincidence, right? See what I did there? So again, to catch you up, Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Basically, the way it works is that parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving. And you can see exactly how much money they have in their account. And there's different ways to give them money. What we've been doing is on a, like a weekly allowance, a certain amount that goes into his account every week. So in order to further the conversation about money and about earning, uh, we're using Greenlight as a kind of a foundation for that conversation. Uh, in other words, instead of just the allowance he gets for certain base things that he's expected to do around the house, uh, we are also adding the chore feature, which is certain one-time payments for certain one-time jobs. For example, in our house, we're trying to encourage our son to start walking the dog more. He's old enough for it, he's responsible enough for it, and he's done it enough that he knows what to do. So he can really see that for all those extra times that he steps up and does the dog walk, he gets rewarded for that job well done. And this is the conversation. In life, when you work a little extra harder, you get a little extra compensation and you can either save that up or spend it how you like. And we're not alone in this. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's a very easy and very convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and for families to navigate life together. So sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash adrenaline. That's greenlight.com slash adrenaline to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash adrenaline slash 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 slash. So thrilling, right? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's harder to move a dead body than it looks in the movies. I binged on movies after Arcogen to gobble up all the knowledge we were denied. But now, at the age of 33, I'm wise enough to know not everything on TV is real. Still, the noir movies taught me how to get away with murder. Well, that and living in Elysian City Heights. Hate crimes against clones have escalated as more alphas resort to petty crime to make ends meet. I can barely afford my subsidized apartment without Benny's help, but I won't need his help for much longer. I prop Sophia's body, wearing my own tank top and sweatpants beside the org TV. Fuck clones. Clear, simple, direct. I write it on the wall in Sophia's blood. 
No need to worry about DNA evidence, I think, as I paint. <laughs> Get it together. I finish painting, then shower for the last time under cold, rusty water. Then I put on Sophia's clothes, all except for the jacket, which got an unfortunate bloodstain, and find jewelry. I hold up Sophia's ID, my ID now, and practice her smile again. Another peek inside the purse tells me the bitch has an electric car sitting at a charging station not far from here. Thank God it's self-driving. I never learned how. The car takes me to a boxy glass-walled house on Elderwood Street. Holy shit. I knew she lived well. But this? The door to her apartment opens up easily at the sound of my voice. A bay window in the living room shows trimmed hedges and a garden with a gazebo. The curved monitor in the home office gives me access to the world. No booze in the kitchen cupboards, but the shopping app on Sophia's tablet promises that a case of Jack Daniels will be delivered by the next morning. I am Sophia Newhouse, I recite in the bathtub later. Warm, soapy water for a change. What luxury. I turn it up to scalding and sink into the flower-scented water. I am Sophia Newhouse, and this is my life. The life I deserve. No one will take it away from me now. Life is good as Sophia. A few days into my new identity, I've already been invited to two birthday parties and one wedding. I decline all of the invitations and laugh at the disappointed emojis my friends text. That's right, I'm doing the rejecting now. Being a self-employed writer means I'm my own boss. I turn down all new work and abuse the shopping app, buying all the fancy food and tools, like a retractable 14-inch electro knife I couldn't afford back at Elysian City Heights. No new clothes, though. Another tip from the noir movies. Criminals are caught by making small, stupid mistakes, usually after they think they've gotten away with it. Outside, I become Sophia Newhouse. Inside the house, that's the only place I can do whatever I want. But there are some obligations I can't ignore. Like the calls from Macalos Therapeutics asking for updates on the assignments. Sophia signed a contract I don't know how to get out of, but luckily she already did some of the legwork. I find emails she sent to the clone she wanted testimonials from, including Benny. Benny, my on-again, off-again ex. Benny, who's probably devastated after news of Mia's death spread. Okay, maybe the Macalos gig isn't the only reason I called him first. He answers on the third ring. Sophia. Benny, hi. I've been watching all the videos of Sophia I could on her home network. Practicing her intonation, her accent, her I've never had to worry about anything attitude. I hadn't heard back about our meeting. Just wanted to check in. Oh, yeah, sorry. Things have been a bit hectic uh, around here. A bit hectic? That's how he refers to my murder? Through gritted teeth, I manage... I'm sorry to hear about that. If it's not a good time... No, 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 no. It's fine. Let's meet at my place. I'll make spaghetti. My stomach twists. 
He actually sounds cheerful. Spaghetti? I ask. The same thing he used to make me every date night? Just like you taught me. He says. I've really perfected the recipe. Of course. I knew Benny and Sophia were acquainted. He was a beta, one of her mentees. The better adjusted of the two of us. The more stable clone. The acceptable and socialized one. My fist clench, but I take the anger out of my voice when I reply. Sounds lovely. Shall we say tomorrow evening? Perfect. Oh yes, I think. It will be. Echo Park, July 15th. Benny opens his apartment door and smiles at me. He wears a white polo shirt and gray slacks, and even gelled back his thick black hair. I can't remember the last time I saw him this dressed up. Benny scans me up and down. His eyes widen with an appreciation I haven't seen directed at me in years. Wow, Sophia, it's been so long. Uh, please, come inside. I chew the inside of my cheek and follow Benny inside. Part of me is terrified he'll recognize me instantly and call me out. Another bigger part? Fears he won't. Benny is the only person I was close to. My one real connection. The only person who's been there for me through the thick of the shit that is the real world post-Archogen. If he doesn't recognize me, do I even exist? The smell of tomato sauce wafts from the kitchen. Boring as the pasta routine could get, I can't deny that Benny's home-cooked meals always comforted me. Well, I have my own castle now. I can hire people to cook for me anytime. I don't need him anymore. I don't need anyone. I heard about Mia Capricorn's murder, I say when he comes back from the kitchen with two plates of steaming spaghetti. Benny's shoulders stiffen as he sets down the plates. Yes, it's a tragedy. Looked like a hate crime. His gaze darts to mine, then away again. How do you feel about it? Me? I ask. He pours me a glass of red wine. Whatever I expected him to say, it wasn't this. I don't think you knew about her back at Arcogen, but actually, Mia was your echo, or your clone. Oh, right. Now it's my turn to avoid his gaze. I didn't learn about her until recently. I wish I could have met her at least once, though. He grunts an acknowledgement. I steal a glance at him from beneath my lashes. Did you know her? Why doesn't he recognize me yet? I reach for my wine glass, tighten my grip on the stem. See through this. I guess you could say we had a thing. He takes up his own glass, raises it with an apologetic smile. Tamiya. Tamiya? That's it? I lift my glass in response, then drain the entire thing in one swallow. A thing. Yeah, Benny. I guess you could call it that. The spaghetti is good, as usual. Herby ground beef and al dente pasta. The same thing we always eat together. Today, it turns leaden on my tongue. Did the police reach out to you about Mia? Since you knew her, they must be trying to find out what happened. My skin itches. I long to peel off this stupid pantsuit. Just recognize me already. 
I exist. I'm real. I matter. Prove it to me, Benny. But instead, he shrugs. Don't think they know or care. Cops are shitty to us. And clones don't talk to cops either. And to be honest, I never really knew Mia. As a person, I mean. When I looked into her eyes, it was like, well, you know, the lights were on, but no one was home. He flashes me another apologetic smile. I grit my teeth, force myself to breathe. Then why did you date her? His shoulders bob again. Maybe I thought I could help her, like you helped me. Finally, a hint of emotion crosses his features. Mia and the other alphas deserve better than they got. Of which, how can I assist you with your assignment? I bite the inside of my cheek so hard I taste blood. Even now, after all these years of on-again, off-again, Benny, just like the other clones, still likes Sophia better. Is this why Benny was interested in me in the first place? Was I just a troubled Sophia lookalike who let him live out his retreat-age crush? Fuck. He's still staring at me, waiting. I... I need some testimonials from the clones I volunteered with about how my tutoring affected your lives. Would you be willing to give me some quotes? Benny brightens. Of course. You helped us all so much. Hell, you're the reason I became a teacher. I always felt sad about not having a biological family, but you inspired us to create our own. It's why the community still feels so close-knit, even now, so long after Arkigen closed. He keeps going, and going, and going. We finish eating and do the dishes side by side like a fucking domestic couple. Benny blabs on about his students, his life experiences, their life experiences. And then his expression changes. He glances at something over my shoulder, and I think, this is it. He's finally noticed. Open that box. Got it just for you. I turn. There's a white box on the counter. My pulse skips. See? I knew he hadn't forgotten me. He knew the whole time. He was just playing along. Now he's going to prove it. Give me something only Mia will understand. I pull off the lid and... It's filled with macaroons. I pick up a pink one. Something snaps inside me. You were always bringing it to us. Now I get to return the favor. Sophia is dead. <laughs> what? I fling the box to the ground. Macaroons crunch underfoot on my way to him. I'm Mia, you idiot. Don't you recognize me? Benny's smile freezes. His lips tremble, then part. It still doesn't seem to sink in, so I grab his face and kiss him roughly. He goes still for a few seconds, then pushes me away. Disgust or pity flashes across his face. I'm calling the police. His eyes are wide, like he's seeing me for the first time. Fuck. He turns and leaves the kitchen, heads for the tablet on the living room wall. Just like that. He doesn't ask me to explain, didn't even want to hear my side of the story. Even now, he chooses her. Even after she's dead. 
I grab my purse and wrench free the overpriced electro knife. Stop! Benny glances over his shoulder at the weapon, then at me. His eyes are so cold, I barely recognize him. Then he taps on the screen. Benny? Hear me out. I hate how desperate I sound, but his silence unnerves me. You're just going on about how the cops treat us. I agree. Our lives have been so fucking hard. But I've been Sophia for almost a week now and <laughs> it's been great. Shopping apps deliver shit to your door. People invite you to parties. I have more money than I can spend. Don't you see? This is how we're supposed to live. We should be enjoying life, not fearing the future. I cross to his side and grab his wrist. He stiffens at my touch. You could do this too, I whisper. Softer now, your original is out there, living the life you deserve. His hand has gone still, frozen against the screen. I tug at his wrist, try to lift it free. Join me, Benny. Take what's yours. Benny slaps me. I fall down and lose hold of the electro knife. It clatters on the ground. He drops to all fours and reaches for it, but I kick it under the couch. I am Sophia. We have the same genes. I have just as much right to this life as her. Benny crawls towards me, his voice tight with fury. You're a murderer, Mia. I scramble away from him. My backside hits the couch. She's the one who stole my life. Why shouldn't I take it back? I thought I could help you, could change you. That was my mistake. I'm just as real as her. My fingers graze the handle of the knife. Sophia was more a person than you'll ever be. Benny lunges at me, his eyes shining with tears. In the same instant, I yank the electro knife free. Too slow. Benny wrestles the hill from my grip. I roll away from him, but he catches my shoulder, pins me flat on the carpet. The blade lights up with electricity. It flashes above his head. His eyes widen as he raises it. I kick him in the crotch, roll him off of me. He groans, knife still in one hand, doubled over. I grab his wrist with both hands just as he lunges at me again. I use his momentum to twist the knife up and back, let his body do the rest. Benny's eyes bulge as he falls directly onto the blade in his own hand. Slowly, he slumps onto the carpet, limbs splayed, mouth bubbling with blood. The electro knife, still buzzing horribly, juts from his chest. No turning back now. I stand on shaky legs. His mouth moves, more bubbling. Shit, that's gonna stain. Gingerly, I step over his body. From behind, I hook my arms beneath his. Come on, Benny, let's get you cleaned up. I'm not sure if he can hear me, but I'm grateful for the flickers of his eyelids, the heaving of his lungs. I don't wanna be alone with this just yet. It takes all my strength to haul him five feet to the bathroom entrance. There, I have to brace myself against the wall in order to lever him into the tub. Finally, with one last effort, I managed to hoist his torso up and over. I'm not sure if his chest is moving anymore. His eyes are open, but unfocused, glassy. I reach down and gently pry the electronite free. The acrid stench of charred flesh makes me gag. I'm sorry, I whisper, as fresh blood bubbles up from the wound. I fold his arms over the smoking hole in his chest. It's true. 
I am sorry. Sorry I killed him. Sorry I ever revealed who I really am. Because this is cold confirmation that no one cared about me a Capricorn. Not now. Not ever. I start to sob. Benny watches me with open, unseeing eyes. He looks so gray already. Nothing but a corpse. The sobs get louder, then softer. Finally, anger replaces the sadness. The fucker forced me to kill him. He couldn't see reason, refused to see the truth right in front of him. Now I have to clean up his mess. I could leave his body in the same state as Sophia's. Paint another thread on the wall, create a misleading MO, another noir trick. But maybe there's a better use for Benny's death. Maybe he can be the murderer the clone community is looking for. In the tub, I hack his body into thirds. Head and arms, torso, lower body. Luckily, the electro knife cauterizes the wounds as I cut, so the blood spray is minimal. Damn, good knife. Imagine writing a review for it. Perfect murder weapon. I nearly dissolve into laughter again, which makes another bout of sobs rise up. Tears coat my cheeks as I wash the residual fluids off the pieces of Benny's body. Then I tuck him into the garbage bags and wrap everything in the tarp left over from when I helped Benny paint his living room. It already feels like another lifetime. Memories that happened to someone else. They did. That was Mia's life. I'm Sophia now. Benny lived on the first floor, and his bedroom window faces the parking lot. When it gets dark, I push the tarp-wrapped bags out the window and onto the grass below. Then I load Benny into my car. I pack a shovel and drive to Encino Hill Cemetery. I wait until the cemetery guard's graveyard shift ends, until there's no one in sight for miles. Then I dig an unmarked grave. I open the garbage bags and dump Benny inside. It takes all my strength not to vomit. Serves you right for killing your partner. I mutter to the dirt when I'm done. Testing the murder theory I'll soon plant in Echo Park. Brentwood Park, August 20th. The next few deaths aren't my fault. It's all because of the McCallos assignment. It forces me to talk to clones. And the more clones I talk to, the more suspicions arise. Like getting the files from Iskender. After I keep putting it off, Makalo sends me a flash drive that explains why I need to get the files. The flash drive contents are confusing. Too many technical terms, but I understand enough. Makalos isn't just developing gene editing technology. They're also working on something that could end the clones' lives of inferiority. And if I can get Makalos the files and the government funds, this new technology could mean a radically better life for all clones. Clones who will love me for giving it to them. But things don't work out that way. When I invite Iskender over for dinner two weeks after Benny's disappearance, he refuses to hand over the files. His brows knit together, as he says. Last I checked, Sophia Newhouse didn't know Mia Capricorn existed. Now I hear rumors that, according to you, Benny killed her. I don't believe it for a second. Who are you, really? Figures. 
the one time I don't want to be recognized for my efforts. When he gets up to leave, I stab him with the election knife hidden under the tablecloth. I weigh him down with rocks, then leave him for dead in Echo Park Lake. Days pass. I interview clones at the circle, blend in perfectly as Sophia. I search for the files and fantasize about the day I'll receive credit for helping Macaulay's bring their new technologies to life. But I need to make sure the clone community will be receptive to using the technology first. So I create a sock puppet InstaTalk account and demand that Charles Sagittarius, a popular influencer, broadcast my manifesto about clones taking over their originals' lives. Charles says I'm crazy and even vows to fight my anti-integration ideologies with social media posts of his own. I can't have that. Can't have him undoing my efforts. So I wait until he finishes a photo shoot then throw a bucket full of sulfuric acid over him as he rounds a corner. He annoyingly survives and goes into hiding until James calls Sophia and leads me straight to Charles. I tail James to the family rooster then chase Charles back to the house in Echo Park where I stage his suicide. Things have gotten more complicated. I have more blood on my hands than I anticipated, but no matter. There will be other ways to broadcast my manifesto, other ways to plant the seeds of my ideologies. Then news breaks about Benny's body. The police are pursuing leads, says a news reporter on my hollow TV. As I storm back into the house, presentation abandoned, I fling the remote at the screen. My timeline is now drastically more compressed. It's fine, I tell myself. I've gotten this far. I can handle one last challenge. In the bedroom, I change into jeans and a t-shirt, pull my hair in a bun, and stuff it under a Dodger's cap. I put McCollis's flash drive into my back pocket, then take out the gun I 3D printed for emergencies. Sunlight glints off the barrel. Motherfuckers want to catch me? I aim the gun at my reflection in the vanity mirror and grin. Let them try. Now that is a heck of a penultimate episode, and fans of the show know I'd never miss an opportunity to underline the use of the word penultimate, but it's true, uh, especially because of that fantastic twist, right? Um, you know, you could make the argument, or someone could say that the turns out it was the clone the whole time is something of a sci-fi trope, but the way that they executed it here is everything. At the top of the episode, we think the Sophia we're talking to is the Sophia that we've known, but in fact, no, it's been Mia all along, and this explains everything about Benny and how he was framed. So it's a lot of exposition and backstory and flashback, right? But it's told brilliantly through that wonderful performance, but also through the writing to make that very, very active, thrilling, electro knife, slicing, dicing, chopping, oh gosh, um, fun. So I am so excited to see how they're going to wrap things up in episode nine, which is coming. It's so soon. It's practically already there. Just turn around. It's behind you. <laughs> and uh, I'm your host, Neil Helligers. This is Adrenaline on Realm, and I will see you right over there in just a moment. Take care. You're listening to Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Echo Park is a Realm production. Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. 
every five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Echo Park stars Harry Shum Jr. Written by Curtis C. Chen, Monty Lin, Millie Ho, Sloane Leong, and Jen Reese. Produced by Rhoda Belleza, Fred Greenhalge, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich. Directed by Pun Bandu. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, Julian Yap, and Harry Shum Jr. Associate produced by Michael Coulter. Starring Harry Shum Jr. and Nikki Toison. Loop Group actors David Chen, James Taku Leung, Constance Parng, and Artemis Snow. Sound design by Krista Giametti. Mixing and mastering by Rory O'Shea. Audio editing by Justin DeWald. Original score by Martin D. Fowler. Music supervision by Marcus Begala. Production manager, Alexis Latshaw. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Cover art by Kendall Thomas and Louise Daisy. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Kaylin West. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Latshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Begala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.